I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. everybody, welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, I'm along with my co-worker Jordan Bianchi, who is at Atlanta Motor Speedway, a.k.a. New Atlanta, a.k.a. Atlanta Super Speedway. I'm at home in Denver, Colorado right now, but um, man, I tell you what, uh, Jordan, for, for much of that race <laughs> today, I was like, glad I'm not there, that one, this, this race sucks, and I was getting mad, and I was messaging you about how sour I was and how this is going to be a terrible podcast. Thankfully, I'm not saying it completely redeemed things and changed everything, but oh, the last the last uh, 44 laps were a breath of fresh air in terms of good racing, a great sort of classic duel between two of this generation's best super speedway racers, best super speedway spotters, um, you know, head-to-head, straight up, great moves, clean, respectful racing. I liked what I saw the last 44 laps. I don't know if it redeemed the whole thing, but at least uh, that was a good memory from from this race. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. I mean, I was your messaging during the race. The first two stages, I just didn't think were very good. Like you didn't really see much passing, and one driver, or a couple drivers, tend to dominate it. And then stage three was so 180 degrees different than the first two stages. The bottom line came in. You know, whether that was just because it came in on its own or the fact that some guys were trying to save fuel running the top line, they weren't running 100%, um, depending on who you talk to there. And it just was a whole different race. And that you ta- you mentioned it, but that duel between Brad and Joey over the last 20, 30 laps, and that was that was as good as it gets on a super speedway. It was like two, two chess masters kind of, you know, knowing what the other is going to do and just listening to them on the radio was, was a fascinating um it, it was really educational. Who did you listen to? Uh, I flipped between them. I, I kept going back and forth. I didn't have just one. I even listened to Blaney quite a bit too because I wanted to see what he was kind of doing and everything. And I actually talked to Ryan Blaney post-race. And I said to him, I said, was it weird watching, you know, your current teammate and your former teammate who's taught you so much race each other? You know, honestly, was like, oh, yeah. It, it felt very much like I knew what they were going to do before they did it. And it was, it felt like the old days of team Penske. And it, so it was, it was fun. It was, it was really, that was great. I mean, as bad as that, that first two stages were that last, that last stage, especially the last 30 laps or so were phenomenal. Yeah, it was pretty good. I felt kind of, uh, icky, gross, uh, liking it, enjoying it because I'm still opposed to sort of the entire <laughs> concept of Atlanta being a super speedway. Um, and I felt like I was pretty justified after watching the truck race, the Xfinity race and the first two stages of the cup race. Like, yeah, this was a bad idea. Um, so, but then, you know, then you see this great third stage or at least the last half of the third stage and you're like, Oh, that was good. Um, so, you know, I still, I still don't really know how to feel about it, but again, like the, the, 
the duel that they had. And I, I listened to, to TJ majors uh, because I thought Kozlowski was going to win it. And I wanted to get yep. as much sort of color. Uh, that's what, you know, in journalism, they say, you know, they, they call it color for your stories where you're adding, you know, sort of the details and stuff. And I wanted to get as much color as I could um, to, for the story that, you know, I thought he was going to win his first race in two years. It was going to be a big statement win for RFK, a big statement win for him, you know, beating his former team also at the same time. Um, there was sort of a lot there that you were seeing, Oh, this could be really, you know, back in the playoffs, all that kind of stuff. And it really looked like he had it. Um, and it really speaks to Logano, uh, you know, it's just sort of his never give up nature. I mean, really a lap and a half to go. I'm like, ah. he's done. Yeah. He's, like that, that inside line fell back. Mm -hmm. and there was six to go. Brad made the pass to, he finally cleared. He finally, at they ran side by side for about seven laps and on lap with six to go, he Brad finally cleared Joey and that inside line just fell back. And uh, and like you, I'm like, this is it. It's over. Like Brad, at least it's over in the sense that Joey's out of it. And Brad now, it's going to be up to Brad to see what he does. Is he going to hold off the Toyotas? And I felt like he was in a good spot there to do that. And so it was fascinating to watch. I went back and actually watched the last few laps just to make sure I had it right, to watch how Joey kind of dissected it and everything. And he said, like, a lot of things had to kind of break his way. I talked to Coleman Presley, uh, Joey Spotter. And he's like, listen, you know, we did everything right, but also we, we, you know, things had to fall our way with the Toyotas kind of starting to race side by side. And he had one move, Joey did, where he slid up the track. And it was like he barely cleared, um, I think it was Reddick. And it was like, whoa. And that was it because that was just enough to get him up top and then with some momentum to, to kind of get by um, Brad. I think that was Bell because then then yeah, Bell, Bell comes down on the, uh, you know, and gives him the big push. But so that was what was fascinating about it because, you know, like you said, you're really thinking, okay, Logano's pretty much out of this. Okay, it's coming down to the Toyotas. Bell made his move earlier. Either he either made it too early or at least earlier than Reddick expected him to make it. And Reddick, you know, th so that sort of broke them apart. And all of a sudden that sort of cost um, Kozlowski some momentum because he, he didn't have his help as much out front. And then that, that, so then Logano's coming up, but th that move you're talking about was, cause I was, I was kind of the same way, right? Like I'm watching the last lap and then Logano suddenly is there and winning and in the lead. And I'm like, what, how, how'd that happen? <laughs> like, we're, I don't even, I wasn't even really paying. I wasn't really focused on Logano. I was more focused on the Toyotas and Kozlowski at that point. So then when they showed the replay, the overhead shot, and especially when you see that move where Logano is on the bottom and he, and he squeezes up there and then it yeah. looks like, so Keselowski looks like he goes up to block like he'd been doing. And you know, he kind of comes back down. Logano stays up and keeps going with more momentum and just keeps riding it once, especially once he got that, the, the big shove, uh, from bell too. But, um, you know, that was just like, wow. I mean, what a, what a move that was. That's not the kind of thing where you can, I, I don't even know how he made that. You know, that that was just like, wow. Um, and that's why I, I, I kind of bristle when people say super speedway racing is a lot about luck. And I'm not saying there's not a component to it, obviously, because there is. And you got to avoid, you got to hope that you don't get caught up in the, in the big one. But you look at these guys and the moves they make and, and how they make them and knowing when to make them. Like, and you listen to them on the radio, whether it's the driver or the spotter, it's like, there is a skill to this. Like there, it is an undeniable skill and you can't say watch Brad over and Joey over those last 20 laps or so and not be 
amazed by how good they they did in that situation where there's no margin of error and they were doing everything perfectly and brad too really once he took the lead even like in holding off everybody like that is it, it was really good i thought the fox broadcast at the end i thought boyer and stewart did a really good job of kind of breaking that down and kind of explaining why that that that's a talent and i think that often gets overlooked i mean yes i i do think it is definitely it's undeniably a skill to win these races right like where you have to really make those moves at the end, really control the line. Or, you know, if you're, if you're not in control of the race, try to figure out, okay, how am I going to get her? Like, you know, Joey's sitting there and as well as he knows Brad, I mean, Brad and TJ, you know, you're just listening to it. You're like, <laughs> how, how can, how is anybody going to get by these guys? They are in so complete control of this race. TJ is doing such a phenomenal drop a uh, job, um, with, with telling Brad exactly where the runs are coming from. And, and, you know, saying, okay, like even when Brad wouldn't be out front and TJ would be saying, okay, here comes your help. He's going to have a push. You're going to have the lead here in a few seconds. And then he would go out, you know, just stuff like that. So I'm thinking, well, I, you know, as good as Logano is, how's he, how's he going to figure out a way around this? He ends up doing it. But, um, you know, in terms of just the racing in general, you know, again, and this is go back, goes back to, okay, we gave up a mile and a half track uh, with sort of the more traditional racing to see this and, you know, how many of these guys get out of their cars and go, yeah, you know, it wasn't really anything you could do. It wasn't really in our control today. You know, I, I, you know, I'm looking forward to next week because we'll have more control back again. Um, you know, that, that just, it just, again, I get the Talladega Daytona thing. That's those have been there long enough that I'm not being like, Oh, I hate this, you know, four times a year is fine. But when you take a existing track um, now, of course, people, you know, it had, it had boring racing, uh, at times people felt like, but, um, I would have liked to see how the next gen car performed on the old configuration as good as that car has been on mile and a half at times. So, um, you know, again, you, you know, 2021, when we were talking about all this on this podcast, we were, uh, we were bummed because once you do this project, you can't go back. You can't, if, if it doesn't work now it's, it's worked better than I thought. I did not even think that it was going to be a super speedway. They were even going to have that type of racing, um, and be able to do it. But still, I mean, there's a place for it. I just don't know if this is the place. I'm not saying it's the same way I feel about Bristol dirt, but it's just, you know, you're just like, <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. Um, again, when I, if the whole race was like the last 44 laps or something, you're like, oh, well, okay. Yeah. I could see why they do this, but you know, it was a three hour race pretty much. And I mean, for two and a half hours, you're waiting till you get to the good part. Um, I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going with this. I, I just, I'm so conflicted still. I have this <laughs> inner conflict about what to feel about this whole project and this whole process. Yeah. Um, but so to me, it reminds me a lot of Fontana though. And like, if you could tell me that you could have the old Atlanta with the, the bumpy surface and, and, and the, and the, really where a driver really could make a difference and tire wear. I'm all for that. I love that. But this place needs to be repaid. And I said it then, I'll say it now. If you're going to repave this track, like there is a good chance you're not going to end up with the same Atlanta that you had that everybody loved. And so I was okay with, them doing something different. I don't know if I would have made it a super speedway. I would have gone in a different direction. I would have probably made a short track. I've said that before, three quarter mile short track, but what do I know? Um, I, so I don't know. I, I go back and forth on it. I, I really liked what I saw that last 
that last stage. I, I would like to see more of that. Um, I, I kept thinking about last year's race. I actually went back and read what I wrote after both races last year because I was like, well, how did I feel about it? And I was, I remember like, I was, I liked what I saw last year. I was encouraged by it. But it's a point is, is like, what happens when this wears off, right? The novelty wears off. Are these cars get kind of zeroed out and there's, you know, the, 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 they start spacing out a little bit and, and like that. And then you don't have the draft and you don't maybe have the side-by-side racing. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see. I thought we were seeing that today, but the first two stages looked like a lot of people just couldn't pass. And then that third stage was so different. So I, I don't know. It was also wickedly cold here today and really windy. And I wonder if that had something to do with it. Well, I mean, yeah, it's it, eventually it is going to wear out to the point where they're not going to be able to have this type of racing that you needed because you need a, a you know a pretty large degree of grip to have pack racing, and so it is going to get spread out. Maybe within a few years. I mean, knowing the knowing how the summers are in Atlanta and, and all that stuff. I mean, we saw you know the age that the last track had. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it might take four or something years, but it, it's not going to it's not going to be like this going forward. In fact, you would, you would almost think that every year would get a little bit less of the, the pack style racing. So then what do they do? But I, I would say that in the meantime, I feel like I'm in the minority, right? Like I feel like, um, now there's, you know, it, it's split. I think there's a decent amount of people that agree and, and feel the same way. But when you look at the crowd there today, I thought for like the Atlanta spring race crowd and as cold as it was, it was better than I thought. I thought it was a pretty good crowd. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, it didn't look back. All things considered, considering this is, it was wickedly cold and uncomfortable and the wind, it made it feel even and colder. I wouldn't want to come sit in this and watch it. It was, it was just walking around and you didn't have a hat on your, your head. Like you, you could just feel it on your face. So it, it was much better than I thought today. And that's, that's saying something for this track and this market, because this is really for a long time now been, been a market that hasn't, responded well to NASCAR, even when it had just one date. So I, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. So, you know, from, from the Marcus Smith SMI perspective, you're looking at your ticket sales going, Hey, well, look, I mean, this was, we got, we got people here. Um, uh, people, there's a, there's more of a buzz about this. We're saying, Hey, look, I see Corey LaJoy is finishing fourth. I see a really exciting last 44 laps between two future hall of famers. Um, I see some wrecks and crashes that we can put on the commercials. I'm calling this a win for great finish. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, um, again, my, my, you know, admittedly my perspective is, is different, but, um, I could see why you're not jaded. Are you, I, I just feel like I'm, I'm, I, every, every year I become just a little bit more old school and traditionalist or whatever. For, for whatever reason, you're like the angry old man just screaming at the kids. But I'm, I try to keep an open mind too. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not sitting here trying to poke holes in this racing, you know, the last 44 laps and, and the quality and say, ah, you know what? I just can't enjoy it. It sucks. I mean, I'm saying like, Hey, like the product we saw at the end there was, that was, that was good. That was good stuff. And I mean, if I was going to sit there and I was going to vote on the poll tomorrow, I mean, was this a good race? I mean, if you just, yeah, I mean, I, I would say, yeah, I, I would vote it, that it was a good race because, you know, yeah, the, the first couple stages are boring, but you could say that for a lot of races. You did get green flag pit stops, which I thought added a little bit of, you know, intrigue to it. Like, oh, what, you know, how are they going to do this with that long pit road and all that stuff? Um, 
you know, there's some different names up there. You take that. So yeah, I mean, it's, again, I, I, I still feel like I would prefer to see like an intermediate track race, but you're shaking your head at me. I just, man, I just, it's people have this, like those are the last few Atlanta races were not the most exciting for the most part. Like there was occasionally some good moments. What about that but Kurt Busch beating Kyle one? That was a pretty good one. That again, that was, that was one of the exceptions. Like that was it. But a lot of the time though, it's, they were runaways, you know, the one before that Kyle Larson dominated yeah. until the last like 10 laps. I mean, and it's just Blaney tracked him down Harvard. though. I mean, so that was interesting. He did, he did. But, but, but up until that no, though, I get it. like there was, yeah, you know, and so I just feel like, I don't know. I, I just feel like people um, have this revisionist history about this place. No, because, no, I, I look, saying, you're right. You're right. I mean, Atlanta, especially before the stages, there was some really dog, uh, yes. yeah, I mean, Atlanta, you're just like, oh my gosh, these long, long, long green flag runs that were just really, really strung out. Um, I think there's that Jeff Gordon story, right? Where, um, he, he tells the story where it was like one of his first races in the Fox booth and he was all pumped up for Atlanta weekend, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, where it's gonna be like, he he's going up in the booth and he's all excited. Like, this is going to be amazing. I can't wait for you guys to see this and talk about how great the racing is going to be. And he gets up there and sees it from the bird's eye fan view. Uh-huh. And he's like, Oh, <laughs> like this isn't so great, you know? Um, but it was great inside the car and the drivers loved it. But from the broadcasting yeah. point of view, what do I say here? Kind of thing. So, um, I get it and you're making good points, but this is such the, you know, this change comes with such permanence and I'll, I'll drop it after this, but it just, again, wouldn't you have loved to see last year if this car had been, even if it was a repave, how would this car have done with the next gen sure. as good as that's been on intermediates? I think you could have just as good of a race and exciting race and feel like, Hey, we saw the best drivers in the world have more control in their hands. Fair point. And, you know, Fair point. I, I, don't know. I, I will never argue with that. I think they jumped. I, I agree with you on that 100%. And I, and I do feel like they jumped the to the to the reconfiguration a year early. Like they could have held off and said, look, we're going to patch it one more time. We're going to get the next gen car on the surface and just see what it's like and then make a decision and before we do that. And now you can't go back. You, you spent all this money and you did all this reconfiguration and like you can't you can't you can't like flip a switch it's not going back i I just wish they would have waited a year so let's talk about you know what this means for joey logano because you know it's easy to say well hey joey logano defending champion i mean it's not like his winless streak was that long he just won in november he won the championship um but then you remember okay well this year starts and Chevy comes out and wins the first four races. And not only that, but the Fords don't really look good at all for the most part. And Logano's team in particular at two of the tracks where they won last year, that was so key for them at the championship really had deflating setback weeks at Vegas and Phoenix. And you're like, wow, um, this is, this is a different, different year for the 22 team. So for them to come out and win, um, you know, now this, it's not like this is going to change the season for them in that, like they're suddenly going to run great at, you know, another intermediate track or something, or the more, the downforce tracks. Um, but this was very important for them in that they capitalized on a chance to get a win 
uh, at the, at the speedways where the Fords are pretty good, um, because you don't know how many of those opportunities are going to have this year. They've locked themselves in the playoffs. They take pressure off themselves, but had that not gone that way, they're, they're not going to have as many chances to win this year as they did last year. In my opinion. Uh, I mean, they, they haven't been great. They, they came within what a few feet of winning the Daytona 500. Those right. are speedways, though. I'm talking about at the super speedway. I understand that. And they finished 11th, and they were bad at Phoenix, but they still finished 11th. Um, Joey said, too, that they had just issues on pit road. Like, you people have – like, they weren't great at the, this time a year ago. Like, they were okay. They were fine. But they weren't a team that really hit its stride until late spring. And it was after the disastrous race at Dover. They had they won it. They won at Darlington, which was good. Hang on, I'm trying to figure out that right. They they were they struggled through the first part of the year. Like they weren't great. They won the clash, but it doesn't count. And they were they were up and down. They just couldn't figure out this car. And they had a horrible race at Dover. And they had a come to Jesus meeting. Paul Paul Wolf and Joey Logano after that. And it kind of righted their season. And I think it was the week after Dover they won at Darlington. And so like it's in at no point last year did you ever really kind of feel like Joey Logano was kind of one of the guys to beat for the championship. He was certainly in the mix. And it wasn't a surprise, but he really didn't – it wasn't like he was going out and dominating. And he did. He really didn't start clicking until the playoffs. So this is a long-winded way of saying, like, it's early, and I'm just not ready – I wasn't ready to, like, worry about their performance or anything like that. Like, there was going to be ample opportunity for this team to get wins. I, I see it differently. I think last year was a bit of – you know, the last year was an anomaly in that everybody was trying to figure out the new car – Everybody, you know, that's why there were so many different winners. Uh, there was teams going up and down because someone would hit on a setup and it would take others a few weeks to figure it out this year. So far, at least from what we saw in the West coast swing, it feels like there's been, you know, trends that we've talked about, you know, last couple of weeks and you're starting to see patterns emerge. And one of those patterns was that the Fords are simply not as good this year. Uh, you know, Harvick has, you know, shown flashes obviously, but, um, you know, with their with the new nose that they got, it seemed to change things for them. And particularly Logano's team was sort of an indicator of that. So you're right in that, you know, last year all the focus was on like Chase Elliott. Um, and we were talking about him as the big championship, you know, favorite guy because he he, you know, ran away with the regular season and all those things like that. And and, and it wasn't necessarily Logano talk, but we weren't necessarily talking about anyone being the threat other than Elliott because it was so wide open. But I again I feel like <clears throat> with the new with the new noses, um, it it just again aside from the super speedways, Fords don't seem to have, you know, what the Chevys have at least. So remember, we've been saying, I mean, like Chevy, then Toyota maybe step behind, and then the Fords. Um, look at how you know the struggles of somebody like a Chase Briscoe. You don't seem to be buying this. No, I don't because again, it's early. Things change, and the, a year ago, the Fords and then Penske were not good on intermediate tracks but they got better as the year went along and they ended up winning in Las Vegas. We haven't been to a road course yet. So we don't know what that's going to be like. We don't know how the Fords are going to race on there. Um, we haven't been to a, a short track other than Phoenix, which I don't consider that a short track. Um, we still got, there, there's ample opportunity for them to, to get wins along the way and to see where they're at and to make gains. So I just, I'm not as good as Chevy is, is running right now. And they, they look very, very good, but, I think it's just there's so much that can happen and so much can change. And I'm just, I don't want to assume that what Chevy is now is what Chevy's going to be five months from now. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like your optimism and that I want there to be, you know, some, 
I don't, I don't want to go into every race going, oh, I think I know who's going to win this one. Cause it's more fun when there's a bunch of different winners. Right. And, and you don't know who's going to win every week. That was what was so enjoyable about last year. But I, you know, as Paul Wolf said in the press conference today, there's only so much you can do, um, you know, setup wise, if, if you just don't have it arrow with your car, you know, arrow wise, um, your, your hands are sort of tied. And Logano was even saying like, yeah, we can win any week, but we have to be perfect. We have to be absolutely perfect. So, um, the, you know, the Chevy's, you know, the Hendrick cars, for instance, don't have to be perfect when they, you know, every single week they can overcome some things, but they, they do have to pass tech though, and stop getting a hundred point penalties. They didn't even go through tech last week before they, they got the stuff pulled. But we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that, uh, a little bit later in the episode. I do want to talk about Keselowski, um, you know, in addition to having a great run, how, you know, first of all, it seemed like he handled it really well. Um, that could have been devastating because, you know, he really wants to win badly. Um, I, you know, it, I liked his comment about, Hey, this is what happens when you have good respect for racing, all that stuff. But how do they, how do they overcome this? Is it, is it that easy to shake it off? Cause that, I mean, you could say what you want, but having control of the race going head to head with your former teammate, having a chance to make a huge statement for your organization, get a ton of momentum, make the playoffs, you know, stick it to your former team, all those things. <laughs> um, and, and TJ majors too. I mean, he's been open on the door bumper clear about how, like he feels like, you know, Hey, he got, he got kind of fired essentially by Logano cause Logano wanted to work with Coleman Presley, you know? And, um, you know, it's, it, I'm sure that would have been a big, like, Mm, we got this. How, how, how do you recover from that? Do you, do you just, do they just put it aside and, and go on? I think you, you mean you, you have to, because you can't wallow in this. And there's, I think there's too many positives to take away from this and that this team has been running well. And you look at the results and before today land one top 10 finish, but they have been consistently running in the top 10. They just haven't been able to finish races today. They put together largely a, a complete race. They didn't have any issues in pit road. They didn't have any mistakes. Brad drove a great race build off of this and you take away from this is saying listen we are we are bringing we said this at uh might have been phoenix it might have been las vegas but it was like he was brad has been the top running forward a few times this year that's not something you could say for that organization in a while and they're doing it on non-super speedway tracks that's impressive so the pieces it feels like that you can legit see what they're doing there i, I think you look at this and say this was a great run. We had a fast car. We're doing this on a consistent basis. Like we keep doing this. We keep knocking on the door. It's going to happen. Yeah. Everything you said is right. Like it's going to sting. We lost to my former teammate. Um, it sucks. All of those reasons. But I, I think if you take a step back and you're trying to look at the overall big picture, like there are a lot of reasons to be encouraged about where this team is at and what they're doing. And it doesn't feel like with the caveat, it's early. It doesn't feel like this team is going to slide anywhere. They feel like they're kind of here. Speaking of uh, the top finisher for a manufacturer, Chevy's top finisher today was Corey LaJoy. <laughs> Corey LaJoy. Now, of course, it's no, I mean, for us to be like, oh, yeah, well, we, we thought he would have a good run. Well, yeah, everybody did. But Yeah, I wrote it. I said on the athletic. Right. But everybody, I mean, you look at last summer, where he almost beat Chase Elliott for this race sure. win. And, and he finished fifth in the other race. Yeah, I mean, the, this is clearly a great track for him. He he gets it, um, and you know, super speedways in general are are right up his alley. But um, it's it's one thing to say, hey, I think this guy can contend. I think this guy's a chance to win. 
but, um, you know, dang, to come out and do it again says a lot. And, you know, this continues his streak of, I mean, he's off to a really good start. He is 14th in points from what I'm seeing on the monitor here. Um, you know, he's ahead of Tyler Reddick in points. He's ahead of Bubba Wallace in points. He's ahead of Ty Gibbs in points. Of course, he's, he's ahead of all cars. 400 cars. I was going to say, yeah, but that's that's a little bit. Um, but still, I mean, there. Eric Jones, Austin Dillon, Chase Briscoe, um, Ryan guys Priest, Errol Almirola. Yeah, I mean, he's, guys he's with way better, guys. way higher-powered teams, way more resources. Yeah. He is stacking his pennies right into a playoff spot right now through the first five races of the season. Only got to do it 21 more <laughs> 21 more weeks, but, um, he's in contention, um, which is, I mean, considering, you know, that, that team's history. And we were talking about, Hey, Spire is basically like, you know, a Rick Ware car, right? Like those, those cars are not that good. Um, they've, they've made some of a step up or they're just having clean races or something this year. They're, they're performing a lot better. That's the thing. Like the, the number of clean races, they're not having mistakes. I don't have the number in front, of me, but I think they had like a lead double digit finishes last year, of like 25th or worse. You know, how many times they had parts failures. And, you know, Corey talked about how like he just couldn't actually drive the race car that hard because he knew that it wasn't, he was worried about it and it wasn't set up to his liking. They're doing a great job. I don't know if they can continue this or not. That, it's a lot to ask. And you're going to go to road courses and that's maybe not that team's strength. But just they're doing this, and that's really, really impressive. And for Corey, you look at the potential career opportunities that are out there and the rides that are we either know are going to be open or potentially could be open. If you're one of those teams and you're sitting there looking at this going, man, we want a guy who's going to be hungry, who's got talent, and who's got experience so we don't have to worry about those growing pains. Like he's kind of like that turnkey driver. Right. And I, I just think that he's doing a really good job of, of, of auditioning for himself for a bigger opportunity. Cause if you look at his results, his body of work is certainly worthy of that opportunity. So I'm looking at racing reference right now and you know, they've, there's been some problems with updating it oh, in a timely manner this so year. Sad. It's so yes, frustrating. I know it has been really oh, frustrating, but I think oh. this is up to date. Um, so it looks like Corey LaJoy's average finish this season so far is 16.0. His previous career best last year was 24.3. So through five races this year, he's finishing eight spots better on average per week than he was last year. I mean, that's a big jump, big jump. Um, this is a guy that was 31st in points last year and has never finished better than 29th in points. And we're talking about in contention for a playoff spot. So it'd be fun to see how long they can do it. It feels like it's not going to last. I mean, it would be pretty shocking if they were in this conversation, even five weeks from now, but, um, it's, it's cool to see. And, and your point about, you know, possibly, you know, auditioning for a better ride, uh, is well taken because how can you look at what he's doing? We talk all the time who is, you know, who's a driver who is, you know, getting more out of their stuff than maybe they should be, or than the car is capable of, or the team is capable of, or whatever. Um, right now, he's he's taking the finishes it has. He's he's being smart, um, and you know, I, I think he'd be somebody that, that would be very fun for NASCAR um, in a more competitive ride in a more competitive situation. Because um, look, he's a good personality. If he was relevant, 
on a weekly basis um, and was giving people something to talk about and, and mixing it up. Um, heck yeah, that'd be great for NASCAR in my opinion. So I agree. He's got the personality. He's got the talent. He's somebody who deserves it. The fact that he's fought and scrapped, he's got that blue collar, um, you know, attitude and mentality. I, I, I resonates with fans. And I think he would be, he would be a good, it would be good for NASCAR to see a driver like that, um, have the path that he's had end up in an opportunity where he could go and win races. Um, Ty Gibbs, I, I do want to uh, note that he had his best career finish as well, uh, P9, and yep. he beat uh, the former driver of that car, Kyle Busch, by one spot. Today, I'm sure Kyle Busch, that was irritating to him because he never wants to lose to that car, I'm sure. Um, and then I, I also want to, I'm just going through the top 10 here as, as far as notables. Um, if Do yourself a favor, look up, go to Twitter, or I don't know where you'd find it, but Look up the in-car video of, I think it's just the last lap for Eric Jones, who ends up finishing eighth. It was, um, have you have you gotten a chance to see this yet? I've not seen this. Oh my gosh. After we're done with the podcast, you got to go look this up. Um, basically, like, I don't know how many spots he picked up, but it seemed like, I mean, close to 10 maybe. Um, he basically goes through the middle, like on one of those, it's like one of those video game challenges where like, okay, you're starting, you're starting 17th or whatever. And you have to get up into the top 10 on in one lap. How are you going to do it? He like splits the middle of all these cars with huge runs and it's his in-car camera and he goes up the middle. It was like, wow, this is, this is awesome. So, um, for those of you listening, if you haven't seen this, try to go, try to go check that out. I'm watching it right now. Okay. What's, what's your live reaction? Wow. He's just going right up the middle. Right. Like he's just, like it's just, just like, and you like you think that everybody's just kind of running, you know, running kind of the same speeds or anything. He is just, it's like he like hit the the turbo button. Yeah, exactly. He like hits the afterburners. He just hit the turbo button. And he's just he's slicing people through the middle. Where did he come from? Where did this come from? Was I know. pushing him? I yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. But wow, good for him. Yeah, that was that, yeah, that team's been struggling this year. Like they haven't really. They haven't had the same speed this year in their cars that they did a year ago, and it, it's it's not been there for them, but. This was a good run for him today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Jordan, we have several different directions we could take the podcast now. We could talk about um, Xfinity and trucks, namely, uh, you know, I think we should definitely touch on the Josh Williams situation. Uh, or we could. <laughs> what was your reaction to that? Well, like, okay. I mean, I just, yeah, we can go into that first, I guess. That's I mean, that's what people are talking about. I guess it, the video of our, our friend Bob Pockers was saying that it was like their number one video of all weekend or something. Oh, I bet. I think he, I, I forgot. So he said some crazy number of views. You know, it's, uh, you don't often see someone publicly sort of stick it to the man in terms of NASCAR. Now you might hear he driver know? comments. Well, I mean, yes, he did. Uh, he, he, he may have tried, he may have stuck it to the man like for a second, but he was quickly put back in line. 
Well, of course, there's consequences that come with sticking it to the man in NASCAR. No doubt. I mean, the moment he did that, you can see. He was singing a much different tune when he came out of the holler last night. Logano was saying what I was thinking on the immediately in real time on the podcast going, or sorry, on the, on the broadcast going, oh, oh, no. Oh, no. Because while it was a really cool moment and he's flashing the deuces, walking away, waving. Parks you kind of do the hair thing too, yeah. you know, a little bit. That was really cool, but uh, at the same time, you're going, oh my God, he's going to get suspended or he's going to get All something. Right. We don't know. I mean, doing this real-time Sunday night, we don't know what the penalty is going to be on Tuesday, but it would be pretty shocking if there wasn't a penalty. But I, I, I do think, though, that there was something... Well, let me ask you, why do you think that that... Why did that resonate with people when he did that? Because... Uh, I mean, one, people hate NASCAR. I mean, fans of NASCAR, there's a large contingent of fans who don't like NASCAR and think they make every wrong move, don't like the officials, don't like how they call races, and don't like this and that. Also, Josh Williams, a little bit of a cult personality hero kind of thing, small guy, you know, driver for a small team who works really hard, works on his own equipment. You know, he's, that kind of resonates with people. And... You have this guy who, he, who again, questionable, uh, who, because of a questionable rule that a lot of people didn't know, I, and I honestly did not know it either, though it is a rule, um, who like, oh, that, that's bogus, that's crap, that's NASCAR, you know, screwing up. And then this guy who's like, screw that, I'm not going to take it. Like, yeah, people are going to, that that's going to make him, a, that's going to make him a hero for a lot of people. Yeah, I have I mean, somewhat different interpretation. I don't think it's that people hate NASCAR necessarily. It's that I feel like they feel like the little guy was wronged, right? Mm -hmm. He got in a crash in a total wreck fest, caution fest of a race. And they try to repair his car because he needs to get back out there. They put the bear bond on, on a cold day, flies off. And they're saying instead of like, Hey, you know, whatever, come fix it. You know, it's like, you're, you know, go to the garage. You're parked. Um, because you had, you know, your repairs fly off or whatever. Right. And you know, how many times have we seen bigger teams do something? And I mean, last year in the Roval race, Chase Elliott, um, two years ago, two years ago sorry, two years ago in the Roval race after Trust me, I remember the whole Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick thing very well. Yes. Um, <laughs> Two years ago in the Rover race, Chase Elliott's bumper is flapping around. Everybody knows flapping. it's going to come off. Um, and not only does it come off, but it gives him a season-saving caution. Um, so, you know, it's like, okay, well, they, they can do that. But Josh Williams, who's trying to make repairs and, you know, keep his plucky team out there and, and just get the finish, you know, in a, in a race that has already been a disaster caution-wise – you're going to point, you're going to say to him, yeah, you, you're the problem. You're, you're the one that's, you know, you're, you're well, making an example, Jeff. Exactly. So they feel like he was being made an example of, and instead of just taking it, he was like, no. Well, I don't, yeah. So I think well, that's why, that's why point. people liked it. Cause you know, when they feel like someone is getting disrespected, like the little guy's getting stomped on or taken yeah. advantage of, or has different, has to play by different rules. People are like, yeah, you tell him you give the yeah, deuce, no, like, you know? We, we're the, we we see it the same way. Like I mean, I I do think a part of it though is like it is NASCAR too. I mean, it's you can't avoid, you can't deny that. And it's yeah. I mean, he it was. I don't know. I go back and forth. I've, like I get why 
the rule the rule is the rule like let's be clear there, there is a rule that says that said that, that says what I, I that if you you are in a caution and you come down and you're on the clock and you make a repair and the you then you have a piece of debris fall off your car you can be penalty nascar has the discretion to park you well okay yeah but how often do they do that you no, didn't even don't. know that and, was rule I, I didn't know it was rule josh williams didn't I, know no, no, rule. I didn't know it was rule yeah. and, I, and i and i don't have the answer to this question and i wish i did i wish i knew when this if it's how long it's been in the rule book for because I, I don't know the answer to that either i wonder though and i had this discussion with dustin long from nbc sports today um and a couple other people i i do wonder if the truck race hadn't been what the truck race was use whatever descriptor you want to use for that and the xfinity race hadn't been going the way it was where there just was like a crash fest and i i almost feel like and they shouldn't and let me just make that clear nascar should never operate no sports league should i just wonder if like nascar like got hit to it hit its breaking point like geez we we got this has got to stop like we just cannot keep having this race stop for silly things you you wonder there's no doubt there's no doubt that if that race was not a caution fest already to that point if that race if that was like the first caution of the race and then his repair had come off they wouldn't have been like hey get off the track We're, we've had enough of this kind of thing i'm pretty confident that's the case i don't want to say definitively but i'm pretty confident yeah i mean i i think we've both been around long enough to realize that sometimes the officiating has to go with the flow of the race if there's not very many cautions and something happens somebody brushes the wall or there's debris or something you get more of a quick caution where if there's been a lot of cautions and it's been, Oh my gosh, this race is so herky jerky and you know, oh, there's no flow to this and something happens like even a spin we've seen, even with a spin, sometimes they'll let it go because they're like, now nah, we, we've got to get this race going. We've got to get it rolling again. That that's just the nature of, you know, directing a race in my opinion. Um, so I, I don't think there's any doubt that if it had been a cleaner race up to that point, then, you know, they, they don't penalize them in my opinion, but, I, no, I, I, I think you're right. I, I do think you're right. I, I don't want to say definitively because I just don't know, but I do think you're right. Well, anyway, uh, it was interesting to see, you know, Denny Hamlin, uh, <laughs> David Reagan, looks like Chris Buescher, uh, several people came out on Twitter and said, Hey, I'd love to love to help pay the fine, the in in inevitable <laughs> fine. So, but I, you know, then I see, uh, from, from Freddie Kraft's tweet, which was not as yes. veiled as, as your tweet, uh, the tweet about you when you were going on door bumper clear, but it looks like Josh Williams is going to be on door bumper clear. He is going to be on there tomorrow. So, um, you know, maybe he'll say, Hey, Josh, I don't know if you know this, but NASCAR gets mad at things that are said on podcasts. Ask Danny Hamlin. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you, you know, you might want to, might want to watch your wallet on that one too. But, um, anyway, just go scorched earth. Yeah. So, um, speaking of that, let's, let's just transition now because sort of the two <laughs> hot topics of the week were the double penalties that came down one, you know, the one we had already talked about extensively on the Phoenix podcast, which was the Hendrick thing. You know, we had said, look, I mean, it seems like it's a pretty good chance they're going to get in trouble. Pretty good chance they could get 100 point penalties. I mean, we, that was not a surprise at all based on what happened. No. Um, the other one the Hamlin Ross Chastain thing. I don't even, I'm not even sure we mentioned it on last week's episode or didn't even, you know, cause I, I was just, we talked about how they got together. I think we talked about how they got together in the last lap and they both slid backwards, but I don't think we talked about anything beyond that. Cause no one knew anything. Yeah. We didn't think it was retaliation or right. Yeah. I mean at, at that moment, but anyway, let's talk about the, you know, just go through the Hendrick one first. Um, 
first of all, I, I agree with the call, um, as did you, it sounded like from the column you wrote on the athletic, um, based on my understanding so far, I, I think that NASCAR did what they had to do because from our understanding, again, we knew they, the teams knew this was an issue. NASCAR news was an issue and NASCAR proactively, even though this, it's even, okay, look, it's not good that teams are having problems with parts and that they're manufactured inconsistently. Nobody's saying, well, that's fine. Who cares? Like nobody's saying that. I'm not saying that. And, and that needs to be addressed, but it is still early with this part and with this car in general. And, you know, I think NASCAR had said reasonably, Hey, give us some time. It's the same for everybody right now. In the meantime, don't mess with this. Okay. Well, mm -hmm. Hendrick, even based on Chad Canassa's own comments said, Hey, look, we're going to make this fit. We're going to make it fit. Now it, I, I would agree. It's not a performance advantage necessarily, but you, okay. You, you can't do it though. Doesn't matter. They, they said, matter. don't touch this. And they said, well, we're going to touch it. So, okay. I don't, yeah. Like you admitted you did it. Like, <laughs> I mean, now I, I also think that there is a chance that they could, they could very well win on appeal because, oh yeah, you know, the, they have a case that like, Hey, now we have to take these parts. NASCAR knew these parts weren't good. And, you know, we, we made adjustments to the parts to make them fit whatever. I mean, okay. You know, I, I don't know how the appeals panel will see it or, or what will all, what all will happen. But in terms of the call that NASCAR made, the severity of the penalties being in line with other penalties along this, in the same category of messing with a single source supplier part, I'm fine with it. And I agree with it. And I think Hendrick knowingly did something and they have to deal with the consequences. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I, I, but I am curious to see how this appeal, because there are there are there is a pathway where I could see them winning this appeal. One, it happened on a Friday. They actually hadn't been on the track yet. Um, you know, you you take Chad at his word. Like they were, they they thought it was a you know, inspection was involuntary, basically, and that kind of thing. Um, you could they're gonna they they said in their statement they're gonna miscommunication. You know, they're they're citing all of the 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 ways that like an RFK wanted to penalty a, appeal a year ago. Right. Or got out of this, you know, so we'll see. Um, I don't know. I mean, from what I understand, like this, I mean, it's pretty, it's a pretty opening. God, I mean, like they did something to this. Like, I mean, Chad said it, talked to enough people in the garage. Like it is, this was not a secret. Um, what I haven't been able to figure out was whether this was completely a coincidental, you know, NASCAR, you know, coincidentally went and took these parts from the, the Hendrick cars, like they say, are there might've been tipped off by somebody or not. That's the, that's the, that's the question I'm still trying to figure out. Well, I think part of it was that, you know, they had done the Phoenix test and there was a lot of chatter about this, these parts. And I think whether I, I, and I don't know the answer to that, but you know, I think it's very, very reasonable to think that, Hey, we told the teams this, we'd already been in communication about it. Let's just go make sure. Okay. Sure. And I also think that the whole argument about, well, inspections voluntary on Fridays and we hadn't even presented it for inspection yet, or, you know, they, they hadn't gone through inspection yet, you know, but I, I think too, that I think I'm not sure ex the exact wording, but I believe there's something in the rule book. That's essentially like if the garage is open and there's inspectors the around in the garage, yeah, we can, we can come take any part we want. We can come look yeah. at the part. You can't, I don't think 
just because you haven't submitted it for inspection doesn't mean you can have illegal parts in no, your car is supposed to be quote unquote legal basically once you unload it. Yeah. I mean, look, I, and I get, I get Hendrick's side of it and I'm sure it's frustrating to the teams, but once you do, if, if it is sort of the same for everybody, which again, it's weird to say same for everybody because we're talking about inconsistently manufactured parts here that some fit, some don't fit maybe. So maybe by nature, it's not the same for everybody, but if NASCAR is saying, we know this is a problem across the field, don't do anything. Then if you adjust them, you have not made it the same for everybody. You have essentially given yourself an advantage, whether that's a performance advantage or not, because you know, other people's don't fit right correctly. So, um, anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens with this. I, I, I really don't have a feel for how the appeal will go, but either way, it seems like you and I are in agreement on this penalty and how it came down. The other one, I don't think we're, I don't think we are in agreement. Um, no. Okay. So Denny Hamlin gets penalized for intentional wrecking after going on actions detrimental as podcast and saying that he was going to take Chastain with him. He also said on his podcast, um, by the way, this was on the last lap. There was no caution for this and nobody else was involved or affected. No other cars. Um, Afterwards, as Hamlin said on the podcast and Ross admitted to or acknowledged to you and the media who were at the media bullpen, they had a conversation. They agreed to essentially a truce going forward. They worked it out amongst themselves. So it was essentially a self-policing incident, which is what we hear all the time from NASCAR, self-policing garage for this type of stuff. Um, they admitted they agreed to race each other forward, you know, with a, with a clean slate going forward. And, you know, they seem to have reached an agreement. Then NASCAR steps in because of what Denny says on the podcast. I very much disagree with this. Let's hear why you agree with it. I don't, I don't fundamentally disagree with you. Like it, it I don't, I mean, I get it. Like it's let boys be at it. Let, let them have, let them go out and sell it. You're going to have this edict. I get it. And you're going to penalize them because he was, he, he was he, he made some silly comment on a podcast and admitted it like if you're not going to go do, if you're not going to investigate it on your own and do it just because he says it on the podcast it feels like now we're gonna now you did something wrong I, I don't like that I don't like that at all like you should have let your drivers be able to free to speak their mind unless you're making threats or, or derogatory comments or something like that and in this instance this is all about what NASCAR is supposed to be about is, is feuds and rivalries and guys racing hard. And sometimes you cross a line and you push your guy to the wall and that kind of thing and all of that. But the other part of this where I probably differ from you is like, this has been going on for almost a year. This started in June, the weekend after Memorial day, this started in 2022. Like how long does this need to go on? And Danny has had ample opportunity to get revenge and, 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 all of that, like, and he's upset about what happened at the clash. Like, okay, first of all, exhibition race on a quarter mile track. There was guys driving over their heads across the board in that race, doing things that they probably should have done. Let's just back off a little bit. Okay. And so like, you've had all of these opportunities. You go back to gateway a year ago, like Denny did, you had an opportunity there. You, you could make a case. He got Ross back at Pocono when he shoved him in the wall. Like, how long does this need to go on for before NASCAR is going to step in and say, you know what, enough's enough. And when you 
make a comment like that and you say, yeah, I did it. Like you're kind of forcing NASCAR's hand. You're kind of pushing them in a corner a little bit of, yeah, you're letting this go on and I, I'm going to get away with it. Like they're going to respond. Like, I don't know why you felt, I don't understand why he felt the need to come out and say, I did that. Like, what did you think was going to happen? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, there's so much there. Um, so first of all, you're saying we want these guys to lie. We want them to, if, if they do something, absolutely do not tell the truth. No. When, yes. No. You're, you just There's said, different, if, if he, no, why no. did he come out and say this? It would have been the same thing had we asked him post-race. You don't lie about it. You just don't talk about it. Okay. You don't have to sit. He didn't get asked about it either. He would have never gotten asked about this. He would have got really. asked about he, it in the media bullpen this week. Then what like, happens? You can get asked about it at Phoenix after it happened. Because like, the, there was hardly any media there because the entire media core has been decimated. The only people standing there were Bob and Dustin. And once they saw them having an amicable conversation and having a long conversation, they left to go talk to other people who were more bigger storylines. There is no, you don't have to lie about it. You can just say it's over with. It's a racing. There's a lot of ways to answer that question without having to outright lie. Okay. So again, you're, you're saying don't, don't give your honest, don't be honest. Okay. Put the lie part aside. If you want to frame it a different way, don't be honest about what happened. We're at the, whoever's asking you a question, whether it's media or you're on your podcast or you're on a TV interview, do not be honest about it because that will get you in trouble. But the actual action, that's not going to get you in trouble unless you actually say why you did it. That's, that's weird to me. That's very odd. First of all, second of all, and especially in a, in a time when NASCAR is struggling for star power. NASCAR is struggling for drivers to speak their minds. We want to see the personalities. And again, I've heard the argument, well, it's not a personality thing. It's not a personality thing. It is though. He has a podcast, okay? And so you you have a podcast where you're going to say, hey, I'm going to give you guys the behind the scenes of the sport. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. And I'm going to tell you what's going on. I'm going to sort of give you a peek behind the curtain. So to then go on the podcast where you're building yourself as this and then say, Oh yeah, I don't really want to talk about it. I'm not really going to say what happened. You know, he, he just said, okay, this is what it was. And you're asking Jordan, how long to, is this expected to go on? It wasn't anymore. That was the end of it. According to both drivers, they both said we came to agreement. That was the truth. If anything, NASCAR didn't need to step in after that because they've, they've solved it among themselves. It took a while because yeah, for the record though, Denny has said that this was is alluded to the fact that this was over before and it wasn't obviously. No, I don't, I've never heard that. I've never heard him say, uh, oh, we're done with it. Listen, let's, let's go back. Okay. So the gateway thing, for instance, I think it's a very, you know, they, Denny sort after Denny was wrecked at gateway, he comes back on the track. He's lapsed down, right? He knew at the time that since he was lapsed down, NASCAR is very, ever since the Kenseth Logano thing, we know you, if you're lapsed down and you're not racing for a position, you better not wreck somebody, right? That's, that's no, no, Th that's definitely right. a rule. Okay. Correct. So wasn't lapped down at Pocono. He couldn't get him there. 
at Pocono, nobody's ever sort of definitively come out and said that was the revenge. He said that. He, he has said that. He is Denny Hamlin has said he pushed him in the wall. If you go, first of all, I don't even think that, I don't, they ever, I, there's, did they ever make contact? He drove him into the wall and let Ross wreck himself into the wall in that situation. Yes, he, put, he, he basically shoved him in the if wall. If you go back to our podcast last year, which was one of our most listened to podcasts ever, by the way, because we found out about Denny Hamlin's uh, DQ. Um, if you, if you go back and listen to that, we at the time argued about, was that the revenge? And I was like, I don't think that was the revenge. Cause he, he raced him hard. That was he hard admitted, racing. That wasn't, I'm getting you back for later. What he's admitted later that he did that. And that he, that was like, he said, back. yeah, I, I'm going to race so, him hard and put it, make him put himself in the wall, but he never got him back. Then the playoffs start. Right. And Denny wisely said, look, it's not worth it to me doing the, in the playoffs. And we talked all playoffs long. He's not going to do anything now because they're both still alive. They're both going for a final four spot. He can't afford to get into a rivalry. Um, so then, you know, the page turns this off season, uh, you know, to this season, the clash happens and he gets bumped into again. So he's like, Oh, you know, he's, he's looking at it from, okay, well, it, this is still not over. Uh, I guess I'm still gonna, he still hasn't learned his lesson. I guess I still owe him one. And so he picked a spot, which in my opinion, you heard complaints all weekend from the bullpen. Like Harvick said something, Kyle Busch said something. They didn't like the Pocono incident because that caught up other people. And Keselowski said yep. this too. When it when other people get caught up in your thing, that's when it's time to step in, right? It was a, the last lap of a Phoenix racer racing for whatever, both going backwards, ninth or 10th at the time or whatever. He puts one car in the wall along with himself. They both lose spots. Then they come to a truce. They agree to it. It's over. So that to me is like, what, what, why is NASCAR needing to step in here? The only reason is, in my opinion, is because they don't like Denny Hamlin. They've wanted to, you know, Denny Hamlin has been a thorn in their side for longer than he's had a feud with Ross Chastain now. I mean, you know, as, as soon as Denny gives them the opportunity, and maybe it was foolish on his part to... to maybe, maybe. Well, hey, maybe if, if you know if they didn't get him last year after he basically said that like Steve O'Donnell should get fired or something, we need a leadership change after the Talladega or whatever. Starting at the top, yeah. Starting at the top, um, they let him speak his mind on that, and they never did anything. Um, uh -huh. But you know, I, I, I assume if he's going to give them an opening, I think they were probably right. going to do something. But here's here's where my biggest problem with this is, and and all the Denny stuff aside, this particular rivalry aside, the incident aside, what it comes back to, what it comes down to me is this is not consistent. This is not a consistent penalty. And I don't know where the line is now, because if you're going to talk about, okay, you cannot intentionally wreck someone in retaliation for another incident. Kevin Harvick in an elimination race at the Roval, we just talked about the Chase Elliott Harvick thing from two years ago. In an elimination race, intentionally wrecks Chase Elliott. There was no doubt. Now, did he admit it? He didn't come out and say, I got him back for that. But there was no doubt, no doubt, that was in retaliation for the Bristol thing, right? Was there no? Was there a penalty? No, there was no penalty. No, they didn't do anything. Okay. They, they, well, they did. I mean, they had a powwow right after that. A powwow was it? Was it, did they find him? Did they take points away? They took points away from Denny Hamlin for this. Did they? Did they find him fifty thousand dollars or whatever? I mean, okay. 
so the, the next thing is how does this, how is this different from any other incident? Um, you know, in terms of, uh, okay. Logano at Darlington last year, right? I was pretty fired up about that at the time. He, oh. William Byron's leading the race. Logano said, Hey, he got into me on that restart and I didn't like that. So I got oh, him back. Oh, he said, okay. I got him back. I was going to return the favor. That was an admission. If you're looking for an admission, that was an admission. They're racing hard for the win. That is the ethos of NASCAR. Like there is, it wasn't like I'm sliding back and my day is over. Like Denny said, my day, uh, my day was going sideways. I was going to finish in the teens and I had after Logano and Byron were racing for a win. There is a difference between racing for a win and contact. Yes, there is. There, yes, there is. He was, Logano was not racing him for a win. He drove into that he corner at Darlington. He literally and he was racing him for the knocked, win. What are you talking about? He knocked. He didn't race him. He just booted him out of the way into the wall. Okay. They literally were racing for the win. That wasn't racing. He just said, I'm going to retaliate. I'm going to get you back for what happened That's earlier. Hard racing. It may be across the that line. That took no talent on his part. He drove in there until he hit Byron, moved him out of the way, and then went on to win the race. And he then he got out of the car afterward and said, I did that on purpose. I knocked someone into the wall on purpose for something they did earlier. Denny Hamlin said, I knocked someone into the wall on purpose for something they did earlier. Denny Hamlin gets Once. fined 25 points, $50,000. Joey Logano gets a trophy and no penalty. So again, right. I'm just bringing up, there's probably a zillion examples with little nuances or whatever, but where's the line? How do, how do you know, how does a competitor know now what is okay and what's not? Unless they admit, is it just, like, they admitted it? Don't have any issues. So the so drivers had a meeting with NASCAR this week. And from my understanding, do you know how many questions about this were, went on in that meeting? Not many, if any. Like, there's not really a concern about a line about where they is. Like, I talked to driver. Like, they all, they all, a lot of them said, like, I, I get it. Like, I understand it. Like, there, there's not really this. There's not a whole lot of mis confusion or misinterpretation about what happened. Like, some of there are some drivers said, yeah, you know, but a lot of them also said, like, I get it. Martin Truex Jr. said, um, uh, let's see. Yeah. He, Martin, Martin Truex Jr. was one of the drivers who said there was a little bit of confusion. Yes, I'm looking for his his quote. Uh, he said, driving through a guy is driving through a guy. Where's their line in the sand? What is a penalty and what's not? You can't pick and choose. You've got to make a rule if you're going to do it. And that's something that I think would be an easier way to officiate. Um, Kyle Busch says, Brexton, his son knows that you can't hit somebody because if you hit somebody at that level, you're talking about the general you get sent to the back. Ethos, though. No, he not, was talking about the general. He was talking about yes, they were. if you hit somebody on the track, you get sent to the back. Doesn't matter the reason. And that's how it is yeah. at short tracks, right? They don't, I don't disagree with that. Okay. So should, is that what needs to happen in NASCAR? That's a different argument. Why? So if you want to have, if you want to start interpreting contact in general, that's fine. But is that what say, needs to happen? Because this is being officiated well, that, inconsistently, that, in my well, opinion. Just wait. Hang on. Okay. If you want to have that conversation, that's fine. But that is a larger conversation about basically the mentality on the racetrack now, whether there, there's considerations, whether there's gentlemen's code and, and agreements and all of that stuff. And, you know, Kyle Busch was very adamant that it's not been that way for a long time and that it can't be. Truex said that as well. Like, I don't know. You, you hear this from drivers a lot and, and maybe there is, maybe you need to have a hard and fast rule of 
of if you're involved, if you cause an accident or you're involved in an accident, you have to go to the back. Like you've seen it on short tracks. If that's maybe that would curb it. And I think it was Harvick or maybe it was Kyle Bush. I think it was Kyle Bush that said it, which was with as hard as it is to pass now, like getting sent to the back would be a deterrent. That if you feel like in NASCAR there has been an overabundance of dirty driving and aggressiveness and there's too many incidents and all of this stuff. I can hear the argument of why this should be the case. You go back to the clash like that. There certainly should have been more, you know, more heavy handed officiating in that race of saying, listen, you've been involved in how many incidents like we are going to have to like, you, you've got to start yanking guys and doing something to deter that. Cause that you can't have races like that. I'm fine. If you wanted that conversation, if you want, if you want to talk about the code out there and whether that there needs to be something done or not, but I think that the Denny Hamlin thing doesn't fall underneath the code. At like some point, you just have to say, like, enough. You've had your opportunities. You've had how many races since Gateway? How many? And you haven't done anything? Like, enough's enough. So I think that if you had a rule where you sent people to the back for any sort of contact, that would be the least controversial type of way to officiate it because it would be like, well, he spun that guy, whether he meant to or not. So he's going to the back. However, that is completely against the soul of NASCAR and completely against everything we've seen out of NASCAR, the direction NASCAR has been going over the last two decades. Right? So I'm, I'm actually against that. I do not want to see that rule. What I want is to see, well, right. What I want is to just see it officiated consistently, which has been, self-policing garage. That's how it's been. Uh, You know, you can talk about the code and respect and all that stuff, guys running into each other. That's fine. NASCAR hasn't done anything. NASCAR didn't do anything to Ty Gibbs last year when he rammed Brandon Jones out of the way for a final four spot at Martinsville and all that stuff, wrecked his own teammate. There was no penalty for that. There was nothing, you know, you didn't get sent to the back. He he got the win. Um, And that was for, you know, again, a, a, a final four spot, a, you know, a, a huge, crucial, c- potential career changing moment. Um, so if that's the way that NASCAR is going to go, that's fine. Just when somebody says, Oh yeah, I, I put this guy into the wall on a podcast. Don't, don't take any action. Just let it play out. That that's all. That's, that's why I disagree with the penalty because I think it opened up too much. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a, a boys have at it. It's not like it's a, it's a forever umbrella thing because as you have seen, like you can't just say, "Oh, we don't we we let we let them police themselves." Like, no, at some point you do have to have some you do have to have some element of control on this, and you do have to draw a line in the sand of saying enough is enough. Well, so when 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 are you allowed to get somebody back if somebody wrecks you? If I wrecked you, Jordan, four I times, think the statute li- my I think the statute of limitations on this one has expired. Says who says. He he just you just asked me what I thought, and I just told you. I, I think the statute of limitations. We're going on a year on this now. But he just got wrecked again at the clash. For an exhibition race, there were everybody was bouncing off of everybody. So you're like, just so an exhibition played. race is like when you go to Vegas, and what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, and nothing. Yeah, I carries think over. I think the fact you're you're putting these guys in a quarter mile racetrack in an exhibition race. There is guys up and down that order who are running like crazy. I'm not. I, if you're going to carry a grudge from what happened at the clash, like you, you need but to probably reevaluate. What, what's things. the answer to your question though? When, when am I allowed to get somebody back? 
I wreck you I four times. In a relatively short order, like you go back to the Harvick Elliott thing, Harvick didn't wait six months. Harvick waited, uh, what, three races off the top of my head? And two, he did it races. in a t- that That should have been a penalty. That's manipulating the playoffs. That is costing that. I but highly disagree with that. You could argue that Elliott manipulated the playoffs too then by holding up Harvick. I, I disagree with any sort of. First of all, Harvick's. Uh, retaliation was way outsized compared to what Elliot did. You know that. I'm not disagreeing with that, but I mean, it's... When are you allowed to get somebody back? I mean, you're saying... So you're saying that by by your standards that once the season ends, the the previous season ends, it's a clean slate for everybody and any any incidents that happen... It depends on when the incident happened. But when an incident happened at the beginning of June and here we are in middle of March... So you don't want any rivalries? Right? You want every rivalry to start over every year? No rival NASCAR, no rivalries. No, we don't want that. We, we want to nip That's this ludicrous. in the bud. Stop. Just stop. That's ludicrous. Well, you're saying, let's. hey, this has been going on for a year now. Let's move ri- on. Right? No. You can have a rivalry without having... You, you can have a rivalry... So rivalries only involve like crashing into each other? Is that how this works? I would think that's a big part of them in NASCAR. It's not. So tell me, tell me about the Pearson Petty rivalry because they had a, only a few handful of incidents. <laughs> I tell you what, Pearson and Petty is in a, quite a different era. Uh, if you crash somebody okay. in Pearson Petty era, you might die. Uh, okay. So tell me about the Earnhardt Gordon rivalry and how many times they crash each other. Jordan. I'll wait. Jordan. Jordan. I'm waiting. You're losing. You're no, losing the focus me. here. No. NASCAR no, no, no. has I'm, all built their entire. Marketing plan. I didn't hear the answer. Every when we tune into a race every answer. week, we're going, Oh my gosh. You can have a rivalry. What's gonna happen this time Hang between on. Ross and Denny? Who's gonna get who? NASCAR on their you own can social have a rivalry channels. Without having to bang into each other every single uh, on a regular. But how can they build this up as a storyline? And then when somebody says, I got him back, they're like, Gotcha! Ha ha! You admitted it. We got you. Like they they play into this NASCAR as much as anybody the the TV networks we the media everybody we talk a serious they talk about it all week who's gonna get who back who's even with who blah 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 when you're when you're having a bad day or when your day is about to go sour and you're gonna slide back and have a bad finish and you decide ah screw it I'm just gonna turn into this guy that to me really isn't a rivalry in hard racing it's a I I don't like that guy and I'm having a bad day so I'm gonna take it out on him now if they were racing for position. And they were fighting even for like six spot, let not even a win, but like let's say a spot in the top ten. And they're like, hey, I'm not gonna cut this guy any breaks. That's great. You want that. But when you're going backwards because you're on older tires and the guys are getting pa- going past you, and you're like, screw this, I'm gonna have a bad day and I'm just gonna veer into you. That's not a rivalry. That's just being a petulant child. <laughs> okay. Well, here's the thing. I think that we just I think that it comes down to our that we slightly differ on to me racing someone hard is not getting them back hard racing is something that happens but when someone hits your car multiple times you then that opens the door for you to hit their car and get them back by hitting their car or spinning them out or wrecking you're in your it happened within the context of a race like this this ross and denny thing is like this drawn out thing. Like it's, it's, it's too much. Like it, 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 it's just like you go back to Elliot and Harvick, whether you agree or not. Like I do think NASCAR in retrospect probably did the right thing of calling those guys together and saying, listen, we, we can't have this. Like it, it's just not like this is going to escalate to a point. It's going to be bad for everybody. And because you could see where it was going and with the, 
and with Harvick involved in it, like this was not, you know, like it, it felt like it could go, it could get ugly in a hurry. And so I think they did a good job of squelching that. And it's just like, again, like you want to race hard. You want to, you, you, they, if, if Ross would have gotten into Denny earlier in that race, I'll be, so be it. Then, then absolutely. Then, then get after him. But like, you're still holding a grudge for happening something that happened at the clash our last year. And you're, you're pissed because you're, you're, you're having a, your Jerry went sideways. Like, come on. Very good. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a spirited debate. Um, it'd be interesting to see what happens on Denny's appeal as well. We may not have the final word on this. Just yeah, yet. that's uh here's a question for you. If you're Denny, why do you appeal it? Because you got wronged. And there's the precedent for this. Like, the precedent for this is, is, is very inconsistent. And you could point to like 10 other incidents and say, this didn't happen this time, this time, this time, this time, this time. So therefore it shouldn't happen this time. But you could also point to instance and say, Hey, we, we, we have suspended drive. We have parked drivers. We have done different, we have done different penalties for guys who've intentionally wrecked somebody before. Yeah. I, I, I mean, so, I mean, I don't like the word manipulation cause I, I just don't think, I don't think Denny Hamlin was manipulating the finish of the race, but I mean, you can, I mean, literally they suspended the guy last year for intentionally wrecking somebody. So, I mean, it's not like, if you want to talk about precedent, like, you can go either way. I just, but that was me, the, like, the Bubba I'm, Larson thing was an extremely dangerous. No, no, I don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't disagree. But I mean, if you're going to start saying you can't wreck somebody, my point is though, like if I'm Danny, like it's 25 points, right? Like it's. You're just going to sniff at I that. I mean, 25 points yeah, right now moves him from ninth to fourth in points. That's a bunch of playoff gonna, points at the end of the year. I'm going to sniff at that. Well, he didn't lose playoff points. He only, lost, he only lost 25 points. I know, but I'm saying that's playoff points yeah. because where you are in but the standings. I'm going to let it go because I just want this over with. I want to move on. I want to forget about this. And, like, there's no point. And you go back to what you said about how he is continually poking NASCAR. And there's been a lot of grievances that he's – the fact that he made his comments he made last year, the fact that his team is one of, if not the most outspoken about NASCAR leadership and – revenue sharing like there's a long list of of grievances that nascar could have against him like i would just let this go i would i pick my pick and choose my battles like let this go we you know move on well i think yeah, that's why because you're saying you just laid out the reasons why he might be unfairly targeted so why would you not want to take it to an impartial appeals panel and say hey guys can you just see what you think do you think i was unfairly targeted yes or no because if you win that if you thought you were unfairly targeted now, wait until you lose that appeal. Well, that's not a fair way. To, then that's that's terrible. What is fair about anything that NASCAR does when it comes to officiating? It's not there's it's it's littered with inconsistencies and and it veers off in one direction and veers off in another. I I mean I I'm we expecting just it. Talk about the Josh William thing. Like it, like there's oh there's well, always I I know. have some faith that it's that they're trying to be consistent. So I, 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 I have faith too, but I mean, like, it's uh, all right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
this was a lot of talk about that. That was interesting. Uh, let's talk about F1 real quick before we wrap this up. I don't know if you were able to watch any of the race at all today. Uh, well, that's a start. Okay. Um, you know, look, uh, it's clearly going to be a Red Bull season. Um, I know you haven't seen enough from Ford uh, in NASCAR to decide whether they're going to be um, struggling this season, but I hope you've seen enough from Red Bull to realize that they are <laughs> going to yeah. dominate this entire year uh, along with, Fernando Alonso of Aston Martin. He's, he looks pretty good. It uh, is sort of the second fastest. And then I guess, uh, Mercedes and Ferrari might change each week. I don't know, uh, on, on who's the third fastest, but it's all Red Bull right now. Um, but what's interesting is the dynamic between the two Red Bull cars, because Max Verstappen, uh, despite, despite starting 15th today comes all the way back to finish second. And you would think, wow, he would, you know, Look, he obviously wants to win, but that's a pretty good day. One, two finish for the team. Um, things are going pretty well. Uh, you know, Max is, he, he set the wins record last year. He, he's won two straight championships. He doesn't really have a reason to be salty. However, he was sour, sour. I didn't come here to finish second, not happy for his teammate. Um, you know, pretty much, you know, didn't really, you know, you didn't really see any warmth there. He didn't even park his car on the, uh, on the on the starting line, I guess, with the, with the other uh, podium cars, sort of sulking afterwards. Um, you know, they've got to get this. They've got to get this the the reliability right. And um, sure, of course they do. But you know, he pretty much went against what his team was saying as well. Um, they're asking him to run a certain lap time at the end, and they told uh, Checo to run a certain lap time. Max went faster than that lap time on his own and didn't listen. Um, and then they said, he said, well, what, um, who has fastest lap, which was Checo at the time. And they said, we're not worried about that right now, Max. And he said, yeah, but I am. And then on the last lap, he went out and got it and took it from his teammate. So he has the championship points lead now, um, instead of his teammate, um, after his teammate was, let's, let's face it wronged last year, um, in the pursuit of, max's glory um and you would think that they owe him one and, and it seemed like red bull was sort of like all right you know what we're gonna do by right by checo this time we're gonna you know he's in the lead he's got an advantage he's he's gonna win this race let's just you know let him have smooth sailing let it let this be his day but max no no interest in that whatsoever and not going to be happy unless he's the one winning every single week so i guess that's what we're going to be following this year for f1 yeah, nice to good teammate by Max. Like it's just it's increasingly it's becoming increasingly apparent. Like he can he is not. I don't know how Red Bull contains him. Like he keeps him in check. It's it's he and he should be unquestionably the number one driver over there. Like it shouldn't be. And if he's in the hunt, then he should probably get the preference. But he was in the hunt today. Like he was behind. Steam was clear they had. And again, like this is a good opportunity to just let him have a make good. In the overall scheme of things, you're the better driver. You're going to win out. Let it go. It's going to be okay. And there are just example after example and ex after example of him just acting like a bad teammate. And I don't know how, if you're Red Bull, like I feel like it's too late to kind of wrap your arms around it and get it under control. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. No, no. I mean that's clear. That's what I'm saying. Is like yeah. it's the cat. The, the, I mean, Christian already, Horner could sit down with them all he wants and say, "Max, you need to do. We need. To, we're going to be better. You know, we're going to work together more." Blah, blah, blah. He's going to be like, "No. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? 
Sorry. That's what I'm saying. It's too late. Yeah. It's too late. Yeah. You had you you should have nipped this in the bud a while ago. You didn't, and now it's going to this level. Like it's too late. Meanwhile, another clownery. Um, you know, I don't know if you follow. This was during during the race. I don't know how much of this you follow, but Fernando Alonso gets a five second penalty for being slightly lined up um, outside his starting grid box, which is what uh, Esteban Ocon. Uh, Last week at Bahrain, or two weeks ago in Bahrain, same thing happened to him. He had to serve a five-second penalty, which he did. But then after the race, after the race was completed, like way later, uh, the FIA comes out and says, well, the the jack was touching the car, um, and so you actually didn't serve your penalty correctly. Um, and so now it's going to be a 10-second penalty. So we're going to put George Russell on the podium. This is after they had already done the podium ceremonies. Then, like, I don't know, two hours after that, I guess there's been a, an appeal and all the stuff. And then they come out and say, well, actually, we will, you know, we didn't inform the team in time and it, it didn't really serve the penalty, you know, blah, blah, blah. So actually, we are going to let Alonzo keep the podium spot, disregard everything we said about the 10 second penalty. Five second penalty is enough. Oh, sometimes the FIA, they just, uh, they just can't get out of their own way with this officiating stuff, you know? No, it's nuts, and it's confusing, and it's over-officiated, and as you're trying to grow your sport and you're bringing in new audience, how do you explain to them what is going on? You look like buffoons. Like, you you, you can't you, – you talk about inconsistencies and, and a failure to, to lead. This is it. Yeah, I, I – you know, it, it's, it's just – it's not a good look. I mean, it's supposed to be – you know, they take themselves very, very seriously, obviously, um, with all their regulations and stuff. And, but to go back and forth on your own regulations is just, what, what, what are you doing here? What's going on? Um, anyway, uh, a couple more weeks, I guess, until the Australia race. But in the meantime, uh, Gunther Steiner is going to be in the Fox booth um, for Coda along with Kurt Busch. So that's going to be fantastic. I hope they have the, I, I, the bleep button this. ready. Oh, my God. I tweeted this to our friend Ascar Chasm, like, I, I will pay any amount of money for an uncensored feed of that. Just that's what I want. Like you give me Kurt and Gunther uncensored. Just that's all I want. I don't know friends to Clint boy or Mike joy. I just want those two guys, maybe a couple bottles of the finest spirits and just to have a grand old time. That's what I want. Um, when we were at Coda um, last fall for the F1 race, uh, Haas had a, like a little barbecue in the paddock because it was their, you know, the American team at their home race and all this stuff. And they were passing out shirts um, that I can't say the line from Drive to Survive on this podcast since we said we're kid friendly. But uh, there was a swear word on it on the T-shirt, uh, a famous Gunther Steiner line from when Kevin Magnuson uh, had, had slammed his door, basically. So um, that was on a shirt and they were happily handing those out to everybody. So uh, Gunther certainly owns the uh, owns that image and, and the brand and it'll be fun to see him talking some NASCAR and he has NASCAR, you know, experience with, yeah. with Red Bull and stuff. So, um, yeah, that'll be very, very entertaining for the broadcast. So can't wait Jordan, before we go, it's time to celebrate your latest victory on the, was it a good race poll? Such a resounding win last week for Phoenix. When you said it was 45% and it turned out to be 44.8%. Uh, mega win for you. You are now undefeated on the season three and O and our friend, big Joe wall, 
um, who keeps track of these uh, for us. He's He has a new statistic. I don't know if you saw his tweet this week. Um, he has a new statistic. Instead of just adding up the total amount of points of which we've missed by, he has the average point differential that we miss our guesses by. So this year, through the three races that we've done the, the guesses, you are only missing by four percentage points where I am missing by 10.6 percentage points. I'm way, I'm way off this year, not even close. You are nailing it. You were coming so close. And your guess, he said, was the third closest uh, score ever recorded since we've been doing the Good Race poll. So congratulations to you. You're, you're on quite a roll. Oh, that means so much. So much. Now that, now that we're on YouTube, people can see your reaction there of you, you know, pumping your fist there. Oh. So, you know. Excuse me. Might get a little emotional. All right. Well, what are they going to say about this Atlanta race, Jordan? Uh, are you judging it by the first two stages or the third stage? That's what you have to answer is the big winner. Uh, 62%. Hmm. Interesting. I think guess. the finish, I think the finish is going to be what people remember in the last 20, 30 laps or, or, Pretty darn good. I think that's about as good as you can get in a super speedway. Pretty good stuff. Mm, this is really tough. You know, I, I would have said 30% after the first two stages. Yeah. Um, and even after the wrecks, uh, like the Chastain Harvick thing, which we didn't talk about, by the way, I, I, Chastain always gets blamed for everything, but th- I didn't think that was Chastain's fault at all, by the way. as a racing incident. Um, he didn't even touch him. He took, he had packed air on his, while they're trying to draft on his real spear spoiler. I mean, like, uh, anyway, um, I, I really want to win this week, Jordan, and I'm definitely going to price is right. You without any shame. And I'm going to say 62.1%. So there you go, buddy. Awesome. <laughs> I love, I love that people can see your reaction now. The eyes closed, just shaking your head, just just trying to I'm just trying to find my happy place right now. Yeah, this has been a frustrating just, frustrating hour and, and change for you of, of me uh, antagonizing you on the podcast. So very rewarding for me. I really enjoyed this podcast, but I'm sure you. Yeah, you have a different, it's been great. Yeah, let me tell you, okay. it's been wonderful. All right, well, everybody, we're <laughs> we're gonna get out of here while we can. We'll switch places next week. I'll be at Coda. Jordan will be maybe back behind his black uh, backdrop with the floating head. And, um, or whatever you want to do, Jordan. I don't know. Uh, we'll be talking about Kimi Raikkonen, Jensen Button. We'll be talking about, uh, the choose rule at road courses. We'll be talking about no stage breaks at road That's courses. That's going to be uh, very interesting. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be fun. There's going to be lots to talk about next week at Coda. So, everybody, uh, listen, we appreciate you for listening, but we would even love you even more if you were willing to subscribe to The Athletic because we're working very hard to write some good stories for you. And I mean, our F1 team, like Luke Smith, our guy was in Saudi Arabia this week and he's going to Australia next week. Like we're sending these guys all over the world. Um, so, I mean, great stories are pumping out on that side. Tremendous access they have through F1 and all the availabilities that they, they do over there. So, um, you know, if you want to check out that content, definitely do so. And, and ours as well, you can go to, theathletic.com slash the teardown to subscribe. See the latest deal. I think it's like $1.99 a month right now. So 
Anyway, all right, everybody. Thanks always for listening. We will talk to you next time on The Teardown. See you, everybody.